This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 267. Why should I buy a remote antenna tuner? Recorded live on Thursday, August 12th, 2021. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in. This episode of Ham Talk Live tonight, we're joined by John Portune, W6NBC. And we'll take your calls live in a little bit. Last week here on the show, Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, was here to talk about the latest news from Amateur Radio Newsline. And if you missed that show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. Or you can catch the rebroadcast of uh, Ham Talk Live on WTWW, that's 5085 on the your AM dial, Saturday afternoons at about 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, get your questions ready to go here about the uh, remote antenna tuners. Uh, if you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call after uh, we introduce everything here. Um, and let me give you the telephone number so you have it uh, ready to go. Write it down, punch it in, uh, whatever works for you. But uh, I'll go ahead and give you the phone number so you'll have it ready. Um, and then we'll take calls later on in the show. Uh, the number is 859 982 Seventy-three, seventy-three. Again, that's eight five nine nine eight two seventy-three, seventy-three. You can also tweet us. It's at Ham Talk Live on Twitter, and I will be back with John right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thanks for choosing Tower Electronics. How may we help you today? We have PL two fifty nines. We have in connectors. We have SMA adapters. We have BNC adapters. What can I show you today? Where's the tower? Well, we don't actually have a tower with us, but we have all kinds of things you can use with a tower. We have power poles, antennas, soldering irons and meters. Where's the tower? <laughs> Ma'am, that's the name of our company. We can't haul towers to all the ham fest across the country that we visit. But we have almost every connector and adapter you would need to connect your antenna that's on your tower. I don't think there's a tower back there. I really don't. Tower Electronics. Visit us at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973. Or see our whole catalog at pl-259.com. Sorry, one thing we don't have is a tower. 
two antennas met on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Tonight, John Portune, W6NBC, joins us on the Orlando Amateur Radio Club and Hamcation Hotline. John's been a ham since 1965 and uh, active on 160 meters all the way up to 2.4 gigahertz and helps people get licensed and uh, helps new licensees uh, further their ham radio experience. He manages a remote base on HF and VHF at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Does a lot of local 2-meter and 40-meter mobile from his RV, and he's married to KF6OEB and has three married children, 12 grandchildren. John retired in 2002, spent most of his time uh, working at, as his call reflects, uh, KNBC in Los Angeles, and also Ampex Corporation and Sony Electronics, which all of us uh, former broadcasters will, will recognize um those companies so john welcome back and and tonight we're talking about some antenna tuners indeed one of my favorite topics all right so so you asked the question why should i buy a remote antenna tuner so let's take a look at at why we should do that what are the advantages to doing a, a remote antenna tuner well, it's not so much as much advantage, it's more a necessity, and that's something that many hams don't realize. Auto tuners in general, of course, have been around for a long time. We know them very well. But to a large degree, tuners are still rather mysterious to many hams. They believe a lot of myths about them and, uh, and often use them incorrectly. Part of the reason they do that is because they lack a clear understanding of the fa- of two things, that there are two classes of tuners and two classes of antennas, and that these must be properly matched. Uh, I can go into that in a minute, but that's, a, that's an introduction to this thing. We can go into those two topics here in a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, that was one of the things that I uh, definitely wanted to get into. You know, oh, I've got this nice little little automatic antenna tuner inside of my rig. Why do I need something else? And uh, there are times when you need that something else. Absolutely. Well, if we uh, if we look at tuners in general as they appear today, for a long time, they've been pretty stable from early in, on in ham radio. But if we look at tuners today, there are two different kinds of, or two different classes of tuners. Ones that you have in your shack that sit right next to your, uh, your rig. I have a couple of them sitting up there. And ones that you put out at the antenna. 
those are the new those are the newbies on the block for most hams, and most hams are not very aware of why they would want to do that, why they would even want to put a, an antenna tuner out there. Seems to most hams, all I need is one antenna tuner in the shack, and it'll do everything for me. For example, I'm thinking about a, a an MFJ Versa tuner that I have. Nice big three kilowatt thing works very well sitting here in the shack, uh, and it's a very good tuner. But I also think, as you mentioned, uh, about antenna tuners built into the rig. People say, oh, well, I bought that fancy radio, and it's got an antenna tuner in there. That's all I ever need. Oh, no, that is not true. And also recently, other in-shack tuners, auto tuners have appeared. For example, Palstar has a beautiful big one. Uh, MFJ has a new one, uh, LDG. G makes a, a, a good one. I have an LDG 1000 auto tuner here in the shack. And that's what people think, that there's a, there's a universal tuner that they can use everywhere. That's just not true. And it, it's because of the second topic, which I'll mention here in a minute. Well, you know, what, what are the times? When, do, when does that little, nice little tuner button on your radio not cut you know cut the mustard here where, where does it not is it not sufficient well hams began learning about this back some years ago when uh when sgc introduced the first remote auto tuner or when uh, or when icom brought out the little ah4 which i've used very successfully in my mobile to tune up a CB whip on all bands. Had some great shootouts with all sorts of fancy screwdrivers. They work well. Or people like MFJ got into the market. But the big reason for a remote auto tuner is that there are two classes of antennas. This is kind of new to most hams. And the two classes of antennas, and they pretty much match the tuner types. in in rig and uh, in shack and at the base, uh, they pretty much match these two classes of antennas. Those antennas are resonant antennas and non-resonant antennas. Let's think about those two for a minute here. Let's consider resonant antennas because this is the kind of antennas most hams today are used to. Our pioneers back in the twenties understood non-resonant antennas better. But today, most hams expect to have a resonant antenna. What's a resonant antenna? It's one that you can hook a SWR analyzer to, and no matter what band you put it on that it's made for, it'll show you pretty close to a one-to-one SWR. A good example might be a big beam that you would buy, or perhaps a spider beam, or maybe you've got a 5BTV uh, from Hustler that has some traps in it. You hook an antenna analyzer to those guys on the bands that they're made for, they'll show you a low SWR. That's a resonant antenna. But now what's the other kind of an antenna? And this is the new one to a lot of hams. They only think in terms of resonant antennas. And by the way, another common resonant antenna is just a simple dipole that you've used the magic formula and cut it to length. That's a resonant antenna. It's tuned to a resonant frequency. But what are non-resonant antennas? That's kind of a misnomer to many hams. Well, the military uses them frequently, where they'll put random whips on the back of their Humvees. 
and there they've got a non-resident antenna, and yet they use it on all HF bands. How do they do that? They do it with a coupler or a matching box or a remote auto-tuner. Another example of a non-resident antenna. And if you guys out there ever thought about running a loop or wire around the edge of your house? Uh, and of course, a lot of people ask me about that one. Well, that's another non-resident antenna. You can't hook a, an antenna analyzer to that loop of wire running around your house <laughs> and get a low SWR. Or any of you ever put up a, just the same, uh, put up one of those windsock flagpoles and run a bit of wire up it and uh, try to use that as an antenna? Well, sure. Well, it can be, but it's a non-resident antenna. To conclude this for, for a moment, other non-resonant antennas that uh, hams are now using more frequently and are becoming used to using, random long wires. They're non-resonant antennas. They're not tuned up on a given frequency. Zeps, Wyndhams, off-center-fed dipoles. These are all non-resonant antennas except at a few spots. Or another example of a non-resonant antenna is suppose you put up a 40-meter dipole You'd say, hey, I want to make a contact on 20 meters. And you grab your antenna tuner and you tune it up. That's a non-resonant antenna. Well, uh, uh, let, uh, we'll let Neil comment here and then I'll move well, on and no, we'll talk about a, we'll talk yeah, about so, a, the so, most typical non-resonant antenna. So, you know, if you've got something that's kind of close, those, those little, you know, those, the, the little antenna tuner button does a wonderful job, but, but uh, when, when the the impedance is is all out of whack, <laughs> it, it just doesn't doesn't go. So let let's talk a little bit about um, you know again the the advantages to um, putting this this thing outside and doing doing the remote and and making that work. Sure. Well, let's consider a typical non-resonant antennas that a lot of hams are using. The now almost considered magical 43-foot vertical with radials. A lot of hams think, oh, that's a super antenna. Well, it is a good antenna, but you got to remember it's a non-resonant antenna. You cannot, now let me emphasize that, put it in quotes, you cannot hook coax directly to a 43-foot vertical with radials and have it work correctly. Why is that? Well, if, as I've done, you take easy neck and you make an SWR plot across HF, you'll see that a 43-foot vertical is only resonant at roughly 5.5 megahertz, roughly about 17 megahertz, and it is resonant at 10 meters. That's the only band you could hook a coax directly to a 43-foot vertical and get it to work right. All other ham bands, it's very much non-resonant. It's a very, very odd impedance. All sorts of reactants present there. So why do why? Uh, so the forty-three foot vertical is a classic example of where you need a tuner at the base. Okay, so it all comes down to loss. And, and, you know, we were talking before the show, you're never, ever, ever going to totally, totally, absolutely get rid of loss. It's a matter of how much loss are you willing to live with? 
And yes, so, that's indeed true. Well, let me give you a little that's example. That's kind of where this goes, yeah. Sure. Lots of hams believe that there are two ways to use a tuner. You can either put it at the rig or you can put it out at the antenna. Both of those ways are valid places to use it. But the only way that both of those work correctly is when you have a resonant antenna out there, one that the manufacturer has made to be a a low SWR at the bands you're using it on. And if you do that, you'll have low loss in the coax between your rig and the antenna with the tuner either at the shack or out at the antenna, if it's a resonant antenna out there. But let's suppose we put a non-resonant antenna out there, such as my 20-foot flagpole, which uh, has become uh, almost a byword here recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and uh, it's a non-resonant antenna. It doesn't, It's it, you, you can't hook a coax to it and, or hook your antenna analyzer to it and get a one-to-one SWR on any ham band with a 20-foot flagpole. Uh, and a lot of, a lot, but, and if you do that, you put a non-resonant antenna out there, now you have a different situation. Now there's high loss if the tuner is in the shack. And where is the loss? It's not in the tuner. It's in the coax. You remember Albert Einstein said the universe abhors a vacuum? Well, the truth is the uni- that coax abhors high SWR. So if you put your tuner in the shack and a long run of coax out to a non-resonant antenna, where there's going to be high SWR due to that non-resonant antenna. There's going to be terrible loss in the coax. I can give you some numbers here in a minute to prove that. Okay, well, you know, if you're if you're going to reduce that loss and you're you're going to make this work, it sounds like the 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 remote is is the way to go and um you know, it, it also kind of simplifies things in the shack. Well, as far as I'm concerned, um, of course, you could use a remote auto tuner for anything, for any uh, any uh, antenna, uh, resonant or non-resonant. It would work fine. But uh, but if you do have a non-resonant antenna, and that's what that's what hams need to think about is what kind of an antenna have I got out there. They need to realize that the loss takes place in the coax. Let me let me give you an example. I've got some numbers here, which I'm going to have to enlarge a little bit so I can see them. Oh, come on. Oh, I hate it when you try to do things too quickly here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get this zoomed up a little bit here. There we go. All right. Now, if you use, if you use, uh, let's say, a, a variety of common coaxes and open wire feeder line, and you put a hundred wa- and you use a hundred feet of it, and you put a hundred watts into it, how much power can you expect to get out at the other end? Well, if you look in the handbook, you'll see some loss. You'll see some loss figures for coax, and they're true. But they're only true if the SWR in that coax is one-to-one. The published figures are not for coax at higher SWRs. 
For example, I'll go through the quick quick set of numbers here. If you use RG58, which is relatively bad coax, and 100 feet of that, you'll get 85 watts out at the other end on 80 meters. Uh, on uh, Maybe on if you use LMR400, which is great low-loss coax, you'll get 95 watts out at the other end. And if you use 450-ohm ladder line, you'll get 99 watts out at the other end. 300-ohm uh, ribbon line, you'll get 96 watts at the other end. But let's take a look at this same these same coaxes, if you allow that antenna out there to cause SWR in the line because it's non-resonant. Let's put a 10 to 1 SWR, and that's easy for a non-resonant antenna to generate. If you do that, RG58 is only going to put 55 watts out at the other end. LMR400 will put only 79 watts out. Even 600, you have to go down to 600 ohm coax before you get most of the power out. But let's talk about a 100 to 1 SWR. You say, oh, I never have a 100 to 1 SWR. Sure you do. All sorts of (laughs) non-resonant All sorts of non-resonant antennas, like that 43-foot vertical, will show you a 100 to 1 SWR on the the ham bands. If you have a 100 feet of these coaxes at 100 to 1 SWR, which you can easily get with a non-resonant antenna. If you use RG58, you're going to get 11 watts out. If you use RG, RG8X, you're going to get 14 watts out. If you use RGH, you're going to get 28 watts out. LMR400, 28 watts. If you use 300-ohm ribbon, you're going to get 31 watts. I think you can see the picture that's developing yeah. here. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, let's notice something. People think coa- our open wire line is lossless. They think, oh, well, I, I, I just run open wire line out to that non-resident antenna. No, I'm reading you the amount of light power you're going to get out right here. And, and, notice, and notice the figures here. Look at the loss in 100 feet of 300-ohm twin lead. People think, oh, that's no loss in that. No way, Jose, plenty of loss in 300-ohm twin lead. It's the same loss as in high-quality coax, like LMR LMR 400. So don't kid yourself. 300-ohm ribbon line is not lossless. You're going to even even 600-ohm ribbon open wire line is you're still only get only going to get three fourths of the power out if the SWR is 100 to one. So you can see the loss that most people have, and the reason that antenna tuner belongs out at the shack, out at the antenna, not in the shack when you're running non-resident antennas, is because of the line loss. Coax hates the SWR that non-resident antenna will generate. Yes, that 43-foot vertical is a great antenna, great radiation pattern, but not if you try to feed it directly with coax. No way, Jose. Yeah. Uh, those those numbers uh, speak very loudly um whenever you know you're you're talking 80 90% loss <laughs> uh it's it's just you know you you're you're pretty much down to QRP but but you're still not you know even radiating anything so uh it's it's just that's not, a, a big you know thing. that's not to say that's not to say that a QRP rig uh, won't make contacts i'm what, sure many of you right have. I like to say my QRP rig has a pair of 3-500s in the output. 
I, I'm not one of these hams that thinks I've got to get down to the most lowest power I can possibly get. Anyway, even though the FCC yeah. says I should. Anyway, the conclusion of this talk, and we can wrap it up here, except for one one myth that I want to conclude with here. Um, the conclusion is, if you have a non-resident antenna, 43-foot vertical, a long wire, a uh, uh, a off-center fed off-center fed dipole, uh, a ZEP or a Carolina Wyndham or whatever that hasn't been already given some kind of tuning to make it resonant. You need the tuner out there, not in the shack. In fact, I've had people do the nasty thing of trying to tune those kind of antennas up through a long piece of coax with their auto tuner in the rig. And because of that loss in the, in, in the line, they've blown up the auto tuner in their rig. So don't try using the auto tuner in your rig and a long piece of coax feeding a non-resident antenna. It's a terrible no-no. Yeah, yeah, that'll uh, release the magic smoke. <laughs> the magic smoke that makes all <laughs> things work. All right, let's wrap this up okay. here today, Neil, yeah. with one with a with, with a final point. I've heard it said many, many times from hams, and I've come to the point of concluding that it's a myth. It's a ham myth. And in fact, if you look in any of the antenna books written by the antenna experts, or uh, like Jerry Sevick or uh, McCoy or whatever, you'll always find this quote, which many hams don't believe. Many hams believe, I don't like antenna tuners, they're lossy. No, they're not. Don't believe that line. That's a myth. That's a mistake. Antenna tuners are not lossy. They have a little loss. Of course they do. But as the QRZ forum said here, uh, says on their website, usually tuner losses are very small if the tuner is built using large high-Q components, nice big capacitors, nice big, nice big roller inductance. The coil and the capacitors inside of a tuner the reactants that they are they use to create the tuning to match the things reactants the coil and the capacitor has no loss to it all that it does is transform impedance it's it's only any little loss that there might be in the in in the coil and so forth it's very small the losses most hams think are due to are due to the tuner it's because they've made the basic mistake, which we've been talking about here, is that if you put the tuner in the shack, use a long run of coax and feed a non-resonant antenna, or try to tune up an antenna on a band that it wasn't designed for, the loss in the coax is where you're going to see the loss. So it's the coax that's eating your power, not the tuner. And that's a big ham myth, which I hope maybe a few people listening tonight might uh, take to heart okay well very interesting stuff and you know i i I haven't tried the remote uh tuner yet but you're you're convincing me that this is uh this is something i need to uh to explore so 
uh, we may Many hams do. Give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and 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 a few thousand of my friends. Yes. So <laughs> we'll uh, take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to take your questions about uh, all of this. Your calls. Uh, the phone number again is eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three. We'll give that number out again here in just a little bit. Uh, but we would like to take your calls, your questions, and uh, we'll also check. Uh, the tweets at ham talk live and uh, and see what you have to say about all of this so we'll be back with john right after this word from icom right here on ham talk live icom has the base station of your dreams with the ic 7851 ic 7610 ic 9700 and ic 7300 sdr transceivers icom's amateur radios are top of the line and are the first choice for contesters across the globe robust base stations like these cut through pileups letting you work the bands and record those contacts keep your competitive contesting edge with icom heard it worked it logged it the ic7851 gives you a new window into the rf world and is hf excellence unparalleled with faster processors high input game high display resolution and a cleaner signal is truly the pinnacle of hf perfection it has dual receivers digital if filters a memory keyer digital voice recorder and an sd card slot The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. With RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digicel. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings the direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy, faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It has a 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope and waterfall, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex in satellite mode. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. It has RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and an SD card slot. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Oh, yeah. You're talking ham radio, baby. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp.
Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM for sponsoring the show again tonight. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And before we get back to John and your calls... Which, again, uh, give us a call, 859-982-7373, or uh, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. But before we do that, uh, as we do each week, it's time for the N9GSU Joke of the Week. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. I was at the Indianapolis Ham Fest this weekend and decided to take a poll. The people in the vendor tent were not very happy with me. This has been the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett in 9GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Well, they they may not have been real happy with Rick there taking a poll, but anyway... Thank you, Rick. We'll uh, we'll check in with Rick again next week. Uh, but right now, it is time for your phone calls. So if you have a question for our guest, John Portune, W6NBC, give us a call right now at 859-982-7373. Again, it's 859 859-982- 7373 or you can tweet us it's at ham talk live or uh if you have uh something on um to say on spreaker you can do that in the comments and that'll pop up on the screen here so we'll see what uh what questions we have here um and and while we're we're looking at that um you know you talked about you know the off center uh i, I think the off center is kind of a uh, commonly used non-resonant antenna. Um, what? Any idea what kind of numbers we're talking here? You know, versus uh, or between a, a radio auto tuner and and then you know doing this remote um, auto tuner outside. Well, if you um, if you feed the off-center fed uh, long wire, which is a, a good antenna. I've had good results with them. You do want to feed it with the widest possible open wire line you can. Make some 600-ohm line, but certainly 450-ohm ladder line at the very least. Don't try to feed it with 300-ohm ribbon. In fact, if you can run 600-ohm stuff, use some of that that uh, ladder, that, that, that stuff you can build it. What is it called? I forgot, makes nice 600-ohm line. Use that, and use as little as possible. You don't have to put the tuner right up at the antenna. You know, uh, 30, 40 feet of uh, of 600-ohm open wire line from the tuner up to it isn't going to lose, lose you a lot, a few watts maybe, uh, on, the, on the upper bands. But uh, 
that would be fine. Although I've seen people mount these auto-tuners right up at the feed point, particularly with an inverted V or something like that. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't fear using 50 feet of 600 ohm open wire line from the from the tuner up to the thing. But uh, but don't try to run 100 feet of RG58. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that that's just uh, that's just not uh, not going to cut it. So, all right. Well, let's uh, again uh, open up the phone lines eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three, or tweet us or comment in the the chat here if you have a question or comment for for John W six NBC. We're talking about uh, some antenna tuners tonight and. And and I guess the other the other myth while we're talking about antenna tuners is is that you know somehow this is magically going to make that antenna resonant. Well, I like to think of the antenna as basically everything following the transceiver. That's the antenna system. So does um does an antenna that uh, has an antenna tuner associated with it work poorer than one that has coils and capacitors and stuff in the antenna? No, it doesn't work worse. Uh, because remember, the tuner, if properly placed, does not have any loss to speak up. Very, very little loss. So uh, a lot of hands think, well, unless that coil and that capacitor or that stub is up in that antenna, uh, it's, not, it's, no, it's no good. That's not true. The tuner does just that coil and that capacitor and that stub or that capacitive hat is the tuner that 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 non-resonant piece of wire up there is using. So it is a myth to me that uh, that antenna tuners are are a worse choice than uh, than than an antenna that the manufacturer has built resonant because he's essentially built the tuner into the antenna and it has the same losses. Okay, very good. Well, uh, we're, we're watching here. I, I haven't seen any questions yet, so I'll, I'll keep looking here. But uh, uh, before we go, uh, which we just have a few minutes left, so if you're going to call, you, you need to do that now at 859-982-7373. I know you've got another project that you're working on. We don't want to give away too much because uh, you, you're going to have uh, – have a uh, an article about this coming up so uh what what's what's your next project here well one of the things that i have been working on and which i will be speaking on by the way at the qso today expo at uh, in the antenna forum at uh, 10 o'clock on saturday is an interesting topic to me that i've had a lot of fun with and that's to use copper tape and aluminum foil tape to make antennas instead of aluminum rod or wire, which is what most hams think about. And I've got several ones, including a, a cute little, which I'm looking at it right now, a cute little indoor antenna for when you're sitting in your easy chair with your HT and you're trying to talk to your buddies on the repeater with your rubber ducky and they say, hey, get a real radio. And uh, this is a little flop. <laughs> This is a little flower pot antenna. It's a helical, it's a helically loaded flower pot with a fake antenna in it that has, that has gain remarkably close to a J pole. 
and it's a lot better looking far as the XYL is concerned than trying to hide that ugly, ugly J pole over in the corner. <laughs> but I've got several, uh, several, several other uh, helical antennas, which were inspired by the article I had recently on that, a little short two meter shortened antenna that was shortened with copper tape. Uh, I've been pushing those down onto the HF bands and, uh, uh, remarkably, they work remarkably well. I've got a little birdhouse antenna. Snoopy and Woodstock sit on top of a birdhouse <laughs> on top of a, on top of a 10 meter helically wound thing that's wound on a piece of, uh, uh downspout gutter pipe. Uh, so there's a lot you can do with aluminum and copper foil tape in making antennas. And I'll be speaking on that at the QSO today forum, 10 o'clock on Saturday. Yep, don't forget about the uh, QSO Today Ham Expo uh, coming up uh, this weekend, so make sure you check that out. And John will be there, as will others, uh, talking about a variety of things. So uh, make sure you uh, stop by there. And uh, I know John always has some very creative antenna ideas. And, and you know, you, you put Snoopy and Woodstock on there. The HOA may not be... Uh, knocking on your door quite so quickly oh they love it the neighbors want to know where i got him (laughs) (laughs) they don't know that he's sitting on top of a 10 meter antenna (laughs) there you go so the stealth uh, works for sure and um, i may have to have to get into that now that i'm living inside of an hoa for the first time uh may have to uh to resort to some of those I'm, I'm hoping they will they will listen but we'll we'll see how it goes well john thank you so much for for coming on the show and talking about these uh, remote uh, auto tuners and hopefully some people heard what you were saying and and uh, have some new ideas for some uh, new ways to make the shack better so thanks so much oh it's my pleasure and uh I know maybe in some cases what I had to say is not exactly what people wanted to hear. In fact, I've noted that for quite a long time with the 20-foot flagpole. People don't want to hear, i got to put that toner out there. Anyway, but, but unfortunately, that's basic physics. Thanks for having me, Neil, and we'll see you sometime later. All right. John Portune, W6NBC, thank you so much. For being here, that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. So thanks to John and everybody out there in cyberspace for uh, listening tonight and, and all the people over in the uh, uh, the Spreaker chat, Jill and Chris. Uh, thanks for being there, as uh, you often are, and uh, hope uh, things are going well for you. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, will be back. And uh, alongside Don will be Faith Hannah Lee, KD3Z. And uh, they will be here to talk about the Newsline Young Ham of the Year Award. So make sure you tune in next week for that. Uh, for a list of all of our upcoming guests, go to hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. Uh, wherever you listen, that helps others find the show faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.
Well, you came right back to my CQ call You read ability five and strength nine You never once mentioned your weather